You're listening to an Imagine More podcast. The presentation you're about to hear was recorded as part of the 2021 Get That Good Life Conference. We've split this session into three parts. This is part three. All right, so let's take a a look here at the last section. This idea of negotiating jobs of mutual benefit, an introduction to customized employment. So we'll start by saying there are two primary ways, you know, to do job development. I'm going to focus on the second one here. The first one has a place. Labor market job development. Some people, you know, are going to be able to to find a suitably challenging, fitting job in labor market job development, an off-the-shelf job. And so job developer's job is to help somebody find that. Um, But for a lot of people, an off-the-shelf job, like Tim, for example, I could get him an off-the-shelf job at Shaw's Grocery where he's going to be really dependent on an employment specialist. But it would take a customized job to get a job that really would be a match between his attributes, things he does well and likes doing, and something an employer needs to have done, which is the definition of customized employment. So this is a kind of a mantra in Mark Golden Associates, contribution versus competition. We are not interested in competition. We're interested in ways that people can be contributing members of the workforce. And so customized employment cannot be done without discovery. Um, and it involves a customized plan for employment that comes from that meeting, you know, that I was talked about a bit at the end there in the green book. I said that describes how to convene one of those meetings. You know, we learn how to develop visual, non-traditional resumes because a lot of the people we're helping look for work don't have a lot of work experience and visual resumes are a way of promoting people's performance and competence. Representation for the job seeker, you know, instead of an alternative to a traditional application process. Focus on specific benefits to employers and how that relates to things that we know that that person has to contribute. And negotiation of a customized job as an alternative to a typical position. So that's what we're aiming for in customized employment. This is what customized employment isn't. Um, No comparative evaluations, not interested in that. Not that interested in job openings necessarily um, or competitive interviews, not at all. Uh, Traditional resumes, probably not. And existing job descriptions, again, doesn't really matter. What we're interested in is what needs to happen within the business and how that intersects with what somebody we know and what they'd be good at doing and enjoy doing, intrinsic interest. So here's another before and after story I'll use to illustrate this. Okay, so um, this isn't mine, but it's it's um, actually um, a man I've met in Western Kentucky, and he gave me permission to share his story. So Michael um, used to work in... Uh, I guess you can call it a labor market, an off-the-shelf job at a Dairy Queen. Um, It was a job placement. Started with the job, not the person. He was a lobby attendant. His job was to clean off tables. Not a good task for Michael. Michael's a man who likes things to be done in a certain way. And people are always messing up what he just fixed. And it also wasn't a good fit for him because of his coworkers. Um, Like Michael at the time, they were teenagers and a particularly immature group of teenagers. Uh, They made fun of Michael. Their pranks ultimately ended up costing him his job, not because he couldn't do the task, but he did have an employment specialist or job coaching with him a lot of the time. So kind of like with Tim, you know, to the credit of the organization, they took a step back and they said, well, let's 
let's try to do this another way. And so they worked with Michael on discovery and to, to think about conditions for fitting work, you know, where his talents of things being just so would be valued, um, where he would have mature coworkers and people who would be good model workers for him. So the photo on the right is of Michael's customized job at Trustwall, and that's what I'm going to talk a bit about now. Now, really, I'm going to start by showing you a brief clip. This is just a couple of minutes long, um, so you can get a sense of the difference with Michael's new job. Um, now, this video is not the best in terms of quality and sound, and the men have pretty strong Western Kentucky accents. And you thought I had an accent. So what I've done here is transcribe some of the key points that they'll say, and I'll place them in the text over on the left of Michael. So let me play the clip here, get a sense of what this new job is. Okay, Jared, I'm having some trouble getting Michael to roll here. Can you start the clip somehow? It's not playing for you either. Okay. Well, I tell you what, we, we won't do the clip. You are going to miss the strong Western Kentucky accents, but I'll show you my pull quotes. They were when Johnny, one of his coworkers, he said, we hired Michael here to do this work. And then he went on to say, well, I spot check him once or twice a day, and he does it as perfectly as anybody else. And Bob, who was the boss, says, it's his job. He's learned to do it. He's learned to do it better than anybody else. His job is, is grinding punches, which is part of a manufacturing process for making big prefabricated steel trusses. We had the tool and die makers come down, and they trained Michael. So you see... The same process was followed here in terms of the employment mentor or job coach studied how people typically would learn the task. And those were the people who provided an instruction for Michael. And that person was there then to observe how Michael was learning and if they had any questions or so forth. And then th the last quote that I have from Bob Friels, the manager, is it made good business sense to hire Michael and it was good for him, too. So that meets the definition of customized employment. It's one of the reasons I like this job so much. There's just so many aspects of it that unfolded. You know, it's good for it's good for them and it's good for Michael. It was a negotiated job, and so we'll look at some of the aspects of that right now. A customized job. One of the things we always look for is advantages of specific job candidate competencies. And one of those for Michael's is those punches had to be ground to a very specific uh, measurement. And he was a man who was going to do that better than anybody else, as Bob said. So one of the things we look at is unbundling job descriptions. So the people who've been doing this before, when the person was there actually doing an employee needs benefits analysis, was uh, a welder. And so the welders were grinding the punches. So they were having to leave their welding jobs to go do that. And so it required unbundling that task, which didn't require any welding skills, to, to grind the punches. And so in doing that, one of the things we look for in job analysis or in em employer needs benefits analysis, rather, is unmet needs. You know, is there something that's not getting done here the way it needs to get done? Well, accurate punches was one of those things that wasn't getting done the way it needed to get done. And so, you know, it was a matter of the employment specialist going to Bob and saying, you know, here's some things I've noticed, you know, that the welders are getting pulled off of their work to go do this other operation that, I like, that I'd like to learn more about. And when they do that, sometimes they come back and the work has to be redone again, which pulls them off welding again. And it looks to me like it's an accuracy kind of thing. I need to learn more about this job, but, it you know, I'm, I've got somebody who I could see fitting in here personally really well, and he likes things to be done just a certain way. 
And so Bob was interested in talking about that. So it involved some more research, but here you go. And, and tasks better performed by others. So it really was better. Not, now, we're not saying people should be paid less than other people. But Michael did start by earning less than certified welders, which anybody who wasn't a certified welder would. So he started earning way over minimum wage in the United States, but less than a welder. So it was a task better performed by a less skilled worker. Anyhow, some aspects of customized employment. These are some books um, in job development. The Gray Book talks about like representing just the idea of customized employment to employers. The Yellow Book talks about doing an employer needs benefits analysis, which is where you look at unbundling tasks and tasks better performed by others and so forth. And then the Purple Book looks at representation um, of people. What, what are your talking points to an employer and um, related to customized employment and the person you're representing. What do you, what, what the heck do you say? You know, and I still use scripts, you know, how to, how to write scripts and so forth. All right. So a couple summary slides and we'll, we'll get into Q&A here. We used to just ask people what they wanted to do or test them. And that just didn't work out very well. Or we'd start with the job rather than the person, place and pray. And this didn't have a great success rate either. I mean, sometimes it would work, like with Jim. It worked with Jim, but boy, kind of thinking back, we never explored other possibilities for Jim either, you know? Who knows what else he would have been good at and enjoyed doing. We used to be limited by labor market job descriptions. And like I said, you know, for some people with disabilities, that's going to work fine. But for a lot of people, it's not. You know, Tim and um, Michael being a couple examples of people that would be really limited. And a lot of relationships were really centered on doing things for or telling people what to do. And this just perpetuated people's dependency and isolation. So like Maya Angelou says, do the best you know how to do. And when you know better, do better. So this, these are some things we've learned now that are better. Have we arrived? No. But this is a lot more engaging and better for everybody. <laughs> you know, Certainly for those of us doing the job support, and certainly for the people receiving it, but also for businesses, also for family members. To learn, instead, learn about people's conditions for success, interests related to work, and contributions offered to businesses using discovery. And to start with the person, conditions, interest, and contributions. Learn how these intersect with business needs, negotiating a mutually beneficial job for both parties. Study typical and valued practices already in place. How do they, how does a company already do things now? And you, you use that to the fullest extent possible. That doesn't mean you'll never have an instructional role. You may have an instructional role. I didn't with Tim, but I could have. And I have supported people since Tim that I did need to have. So it's not saying you never do. And it, it's really where you especially look at phases five, six, and seven. And that gets, gets us into the weeds a little bit for this short of a presentation. So relationships, 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 develop balanced and reciprocal relationships with the people we're supporting and the people who are supporting them. And that's it. So Milton, we've got a few questions for you. Um, the first one was, how long does discovery take? So I'll start off with just some variables. It takes longer the first time you do it. Um, so Tim was the first person I had a chance to work with in discovery. And so we were probably like four months, <laughs> five months, but it doesn't take that long after, you're, um, after you have more experience. 
So, you know, it, it, it could be um, two or three months, you know, but the main thing you want to do is keep momentum with the person. So you, you want to be, you know, gaining information and thinking, so from what I've learned today, what else do I need to learn and how would I get that information? And so you, you would have at least um, weekly contact with the person. You know, you don't want them to wonder where you are or, or what you're doing. And you have reasons for gaining the information you're gaining. So, you know, maybe three months would be reasonable, you know, as an average on that. It also depends on the kind of the complexity of, of the person, as you can imagine. And actually what I found really interesting was you mentioning, I think it was Tim, and um, how the sister was very annoyed with him dismantling the VCR. And it made me wonder, um, with the real focus on identifying strengths of a person, how often that might get missed when things are potentially annoying to people and not seen as a skill or an interest, per se. Do you think that happens often or, or is something to pay attention to? Oh, yeah, no. yeah I, 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 think it's, I, I think that sometimes people's um, annoying behaviors can be attached to intrinsic interests, things that they're just really interested in doing. And the challenge then is thinking about how could that be something that wouldn't be annoying, but something that'd be contributive. So that kind of fell in my lap with Tim. Um, it, it's not always that easy or nice, but it was in that instance. Yeah, no, that was great to know. I'm sure that's probably resonates with a lot of people. Um, another question here is, is it important for other employees to teach the task first before the support teaches the task? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the idea here is um, it used to be like Gerana at Barrister, she wanted to know how to run the dishwasher so she could teach Jim. So what we would say now is, I want to learn how a new employee learns these tasks so I can see, because I know I'll just go back to Tim. I know Tim. I know how he learns. It, it makes sense to people, <laughs> you know. So who who typically teaches the task? And they said, well, you know, Nancy and Robert could show you. I said, that'd be perfect. Now, sometimes you can't get two people to, to show you, but they offered. And I thought, that's great. And so in doing that, I get a chance to, with Tim's permission, give some information about Tim, you know. And and one of the things as I got to know Robert better that I shared with him was I say, you know, this is really unfair, but Tim's one of these guys that a lot of people have underestimated. And I said, I'll be honest, I have before myself. It's kind of they, they look at him and they make a judgment um, about what he can do and can't do. And boy, did he light into that. He goes, boy, I know what that's like. I've had that happen to me, you know. And I think when when he heard that about Tim, I think it just he he was going to be on team Tim, <laughs> you know, like people weren't going to be underestimating him. And so when he was showing me, I, you know, I, I said, well, I think the way you showed me this and I don't, I, and I do not have any mechanical inclinations. If you could teach me to do this, I, I, I think it'll be, you know, much easier to teach Tim to do it. And you're the person, you're the person. And one thing he said to me then was, and I said, and I'll be around. I said, well, don't, he said, don't be breathing down my neck, which was a real cue for me. So I had to find something to do, you know, in the nearby vicinity. I, I just made shipping boxes while he was working. And so it gave me a chance to check in. So the idea here is you're developing relationships. I could go back to Tim's house, tell him I met this guy, Robert, 
he's going to be teaching you your task. You're really going to like him. You know, he's a good teacher. And I'll be there if you have questions or he has questions. That's the reason for doing it that way. Yep. No, that's really good um, advice. Yeah. Um, and probably on that same theme, uh, there's another question around how do you start well on day one when there is so much you don't know about the job or the role yet? Well, it's because you do know about the job and the role. So, um, you know, with product handling equipment, so we say as a matter of course for doing like I really haven't talked about doing a needs analysis, but for a needs analysis, probably at least four hours, a job analysis, at least eight. And I'm sure I was there 12 hours before they even considered Tim for employment. And and so would I have stayed that long unless I was pretty sure it was going to work? No, I wouldn't have. But I was, you know, I just felt really confident about it. But one of the things you get from that, again, people see you're really serious about it. I've had other employers just say, because they see how much I'm there and I'm taking notes and I check in with them. Is this really, is this the task? Do I really understand it? And, and they'll say, man, you're serious about this, aren't you? And I'll go, absolutely. And there was a lot at stake here, you know, and, you know, I can never have a certainty that this is going to work because there's no such thing as that. But um, I want to be as sure as possible that it's going to be good for you and good for Tim. So you do know the job and they know you and you know them. And so you have that, you see that, it, it, like I said on the slide, we didn't used to pay much attention to relationships and knowing other people. Now we pay a lot of attention to relationships and knowing people so that when, some, when there is a problem, they trust you to help solve it. And you know the tasks. You see, if I didn't know the task, I wouldn't be able to go say, oh yeah, I remember that. You know, maybe, maybe this discrimination on the part would be really helpful just to highlight that for Tim. Or maybe a different way of showing Tim that information would be, you know, just to, uh, to gesture at the part rather than telling him the name of the part, something like that. Yeah, no, there's a lot in that response. Um, but I'm also wondering too around, you know, you've, the, the person's landed the job. How would you propose to the employer about this different approach of using customized employment? And the benefit of going in and looking at the different tasks initially, like, do you sort of script that for yourself? Because I know we get a lot of questions from people around, you know, I don't know what to say. And, you know, if you've got some nice examples, that would be very helpful. Yeah. I mean, so, so we have kind of a textbook way of saying, you don't always stick with the textbook, of course, but like after you, after you have discovery and you've, you're contacting employers that are on the person's list and, you know, we talk about networking with people, having warm leads. You get in the door with the employer and you start off by saying, you know, I'm representing somebody who I think would have a lot to offer in this business. And I work with community employment. We devote time to know the kinds of things that businesses need and our job candidates with disabilities and find ways that there are jobs that are good for both. And one of the things that, that I like to do is do a presentation for you on how all of this works. And so in one of the books, the, the um, oh, here it is, this book, w we teach a process called the concept portfolio. And the concept portfolio teaches customized employment. It takes about 15 minutes to present, show examples of people who have customized jobs. You tell a little bit of their stories. You give the, the um, you know, principles of customized employment. 
you know, an employer may say, well, we don't have any job openings. So I say, well, that's okay. I'd still like to talk to you about how we help people find jobs and help employees find good employees. It, it's probably a little different than how you do things now. And, and we also, frankly, type the idea of customized in employment into things employers do all the time, which is to assign employees a task that they do best. I mean, it's just it's strength-based management, you know, and, and so it's not just a disability thing. But, but that is scripted, and that's how we introduce it. And then if they're interested from there, we have the visual resume. We show the job candidate we have in mind. And, we, and then we try to get um, an appointment to come back for four hours and do an employer needs benefits analysis. And then if they get to the point of hiring the person, then we go in and do a job analysis and learn how people would learn the specific tasks and so forth. So that's the, you know, the textbook sequence of how this stuff plays out. Yeah. And as I mentioned in my introduction, it's, it's just so nuanced um, and yeah, great insight to see how this can work, but the attention that it takes um, one person at a time. How you might propose going in to check out tasks as a job coach if the person has already started the job? Mm, okay. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. So, you know, what I tell people, you know, I, I just get more information on what could be better or what, what going on or whatever. And I suggest just go in and say, you know what? I just went to a workshop and I learned something new that I think could be a benefit to your business and make Bill's job a better job. Could we give it a try? Because it seemed to make sense to me. And I, you know, I would just, I just back up with people. And as a matter of fact, I've suggested people use the same strategy. I've had, you know, I've had people go to one of my workshops and we're talking about the seven-phase sequence and they go, golly, I'm so trapped in this job, but there's no reason to be it. But, but they expect me to be there doing all the teaching. And I go, okay, so go in and have a conversation and say, you know, I think this would be a lot better for everybody. I'm not trying to get out of the work here. I'm, honestly, I'm not. I have plenty of people I need to assist. And I just think, I could have done it better. Can we try something else, you know? So, you know, so that's what I would recommend. And I guess maybe with that identifying the natural supports, um, would you recommend something particular for people to look out for in identifying who would be good natural teachers in, in the workplace? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so this is where you know the person. Like I said, I, I could see Nancy could have taught Tim perfectly well, but I could see a connection with Robert. And so I ask, but the question I ask is, who typically would teach this task to a new employee? And they said, an experienced employee. I said, perfect. Who, who were experienced employees? Robert and Nancy. So that's where you start. And now it could be um, that they both would have been terrible, awful people, <laughs> you know, and, and I couldn't have pictured them doing anything with Tim, you know, and, and there wasn't anybody else. And so that would really take me back to the drawing board, you know? And so I, I have before pulled the plug because just the people there just didn't seem to be the right people. And yeah. what, what I've said is, I mean, one instance, and remember, I, I can remember saying, well, I just don't think this job is really a, a fit, which was accurate. I appreciate you having let me spend time here. You know, do you have other people who do similar kinds of stuff? You know, maybe I just need to look at another company, see if you can get a referral even. Somebody else. I mean, it's always networking. Yeah. 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 No, that's good advice. Thank you. So we've got quite a few other questions. Um, there's one here. 
In Australia, businesses are aware of disability subsidies to take on a person with mm-hmm. employment in their business. How to not let this mm-hmm. get in the way of customised employment? Yeah. So the, the subsidies are a double-edged sword, aren't they? And so we don't emphasize those. We're aware of them. I mean, I can think of one in particular that businesses usually know they're eligible for. And um, if people meet certain criteria, and if they would ask me a question, you know, would, would Tim make us eligible for the Target of Jobs tax credit? I would say yes. <laughs> But I don't go in saying, if you hire Tim, you could apply for the targeted jobs tax credit because I don't want them to, I don't want that to be the reason they're hiring. Yeah, that's right. Um, What features should you include or exclude from a visual resume or visual work job profile? Yeah, a visual resume, we're really looking at performance photos, you know, sometimes for people who haven't worked. So it could be, you know, um, actually visual resumes were after I'd I'd assisted Tim to find his job. But if I had been doing a visual resume with Tim, just with some of the things I laid out for you, I would have taken pictures of him using the, you know, the weed trimmer at his house. And I would have taken pictures of him rebuilding that lawnmower with Bill. And I would have taken pictures of him redoing the, the light wires at his house and stuff like that, you know, performance pictures. And just represent them from what they are and, and then to say, so these are examples of Tim helping his neighbor, Bill, build a lawnmower. And then I have a sh- brief script to go with that. Bill, that my mechanic for 20 years, he's a genius. And he thinks, you know, I'm not mechanical, but he thinks that Tim has mechanical ability, you know. And so you build a story around the pictures. And Tim wouldn't have had anything other than Shaw's Grocery you know, to put on a traditional resume. So that's the idea. You tell a story with, with positive, really good pictures. And, and so we have a lot of guidance about how to do that and so forth. Hope that helps. Yeah, something I've learned too is around, from you around, making sure you're getting a photo of the person doing the task. So they're not necessarily looking at the camera with a big smile. They're actually doing the right. task. And um, with job development, is this something families can do themselves on behalf of the family member with disability, or should they always engage employment services to do it? Well, I know families who have found really good jobs for some instances where they needed to be the people to do it. So I wouldn't say that families can't do it because I've seen them get and design some really nice jobs. Now, if there is the choice of having a third party who's skilled in the processes we're talking about, I think it's better because it is a little awkward for a family member, you know, a mom or dad to be looking for a job for their son or daughter. I mean, there's just a level of awkwardness there. But I, I remember talking to a, uh, a mom recently who'd come to one of my workshops and we talked, we scripted that too. <laughs> and I think, I think the way she started talking to him is, well, this is a little awkward, but <laughs> here's why I'm here. You know, my daughter just loves your store. And I could just see you're doing all kinds of things here. And these are her skills and so forth. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's, yes. Yeah. I, I, I think third party would be preferred. Um, yeah. But parents sure, like so many things in life, have, have gotten out there and done it. So, great advice. And that's a lovely way to, to finish. But I just want to say again, thank you so much, Milton, for joining us today um, with this webinar. 
And you will hear from Milton again in the conference. Uh, we'll actually, I'll be talking with him and you'll hear from our son, Jack, and we'll be sort of working together around how we actually did as a family go in um, to try and find mm -hmm. um, employment for our son. But we brought in the job mentor to sort of take over where it felt right. So there's sort of aspects that sort of made sense to us around where as a parent we could get involved and then when we needed to step back. Um, so again, thank you very much, Milton. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to an Imagine More podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to review us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and go to imaginemore.org.au for more great content.